there's no children's church this morning, but if you didn't see that um, there are special bulletins made for the children out in the hallway, if you didn't get one for your child, feel free to do so now, it's fine. There are crayons out there, you can use that to color um, and draw and do all kinds of things. And um, we are excited for your kids to have that and for your children to be here with us through the entire service. Turn our attention now to God's word. Starting in Revelation chapter 5. The Apostle John said, Then I saw on the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll? And break its seals. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. One of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne, and the living creatures, and the elders, and the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, singing with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. He's risen. 
Good morning, I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, it's the one day, special day, we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And when people break out ties and bow ties and coats and hats and special dresses, right? I was telling my son back in the late 80s and early 90s, if you wore a bow tie, as Miss Diane was telling me, people ask you for a bean pie. But things have changed. Things have changed, my brother. No, no, no final call here. No, you know, whatever. No prophet Muhammad. We talking about Jesus. So don't let the bow tie confuse you. I am in a nation, but a different kind of nation. The nation we're going to talk about today in Scripture. Welcome if you're visiting uh, with us today. And um, as we continue our sermon series, we're going to work it in, not take a break from it. And I do recommend you going back and looking at especially this part of the series as we talk about growing in diverse community. We're talking about a series um, on the mission of this church, Christ Central Church, which I think um, is congruent. It goes right along with every church. And so we do so on the central holiday for Christians around the world, Easter. Again, the day we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus from the grave. It is this, uh, the historical bodily, right? Historic bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the power behind the church's story. So today, we will lean more into the fact of Jesus' resurrection. Again, like more than usual in understanding what it means to be a church that strives against all odds and craziness in this world to grow in diverse community. Just so you know, I'm going to treat this sermon and then next week's sermon almost like a two-part message. So I'm not going to get into every little piece of our reading this morning. Um, But hopefully between next week and this week, we'll get a full picture of what is going on. If you haven't already recognized, if you don't know, the book of Revelation, it's like sci-fi. It's like Lord of the Rings, comic, Marvel and DC multiverse stuff meets Lion King, meets Game of Thrones, meets Sunday school all in one. Easy, right? Well, it shouldn't be too hard for many of you in this church. I know y'all. This church, I've learned, is filled with nerds and geeks and blurds, black nerds. <laughs> like Amari over there, Pastor Amari. Like my wife, Kelly. Like Jasmine back there. Like I found our Corey over here, right? Blurds are all over this church. I wish I was one, too. Just can't keep up with everything, y'all. It shouldn't be too hard for you. But you you romantic comedy and documentary types, you might find Revelation a little harder. But y'all know how y'all nerds and geeks and and all the Marvel comic stuff, y'all know how y'all like to sit around and break stuff down that the writer meant this and that, especially with the Black Panther movie and and back in the day, the Lord of the Rings. I mean, y'all can't have a good time. Y'all just can't go to the movies, right? Y'all got to be blogging and texting and tweeting and debating and arguing over fantasy writing and how it speaks to real life and society and personality and spirituality. I mean, you wear shirts with Harry Potter on it and you're like, let me tell you what it's really about, my brother, right? 
You understand Revelation just fine. John, the writer of Revelation, is, is getting a divine IMAX 4D experience. As he is caught up in a spiritual vision or trance with the only difference between the allegory that we might see going on in written or on-screen fantasy or comic books or sci-fi is this imagery is not imaginary. It's a vision, yes, but of the spiritual reality behind our world and behind our real story. The vision given to John here in chapter 5 and in part as we have in chapter 7 is the story of us. Too much TV, right? People like you and me struggling in this world. It's about people like you and me becoming a new nation, but not by natural birth or naturalized citizenship because you have passed or test or, or proven yourself or gone to the citizenship classes, but rather because we are spiritual immigrants who must be supernaturalized by grace and by faith into one nation of many nations and all kinds of people. It is our mission that our church, our people, be a home and family of spiritual immigrants. When I use the term spiritual immigrants, what in the world do I mean? Look again at verse 9 in chapter 5. It says here, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seal." Now, now hear this, for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. And then jump over to chapter 7 in, in those two verses that we see here. Therefore, they, these same people, this, these tribes, these nations, right, are before the throne of God and serve him day and night. Yes, is a picture of heaven, but it reflects a spirituality that exists today, right, in part. And they serve him day and night in his temple, and he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more and neither thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them, it says, to springs of water, living water. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Spiritual immigrants are you and me. Lost and not where they should be and not able to fully experience what is described and illustrated by these verses. Living under a benevolent and caring, all-knowing and loving, powerful leader. As people who are free and not enslaved by anything or anyone, who are working and loving working, and who have peace between each, each other, who are free to enjoy God and each other and worship and don't have to worry about death or disease or famine or running out of food or, or mismanagement or disappointment or abuse or discrimination or not feeling whole, but rather about being a spiritual immigrant means you are separated from what is promised here, of being free to express your divine given culture and heritage and ethnicity with truth and dignity and sharing that with others. 
did you not know that human beings, what it means to be a human being means having been created and designed to live like that, what we see in the verses here, and not the way we currently struggle and live? Did you not know that the human soul and body was not originally designed to experience and endure and live how we are living right now? We are separated, right? We are distanced from the way we were created and designed to live in every, in living. Every single human being ever born is distanced and separated from the life God originally created them to have. This world has ripped our spiritual identity away. As humans who who were supposed to be and live in full and free relationship with God and each other, leaving us all, regardless of where we were from, spiritual immigrants looking and longing to be a people in a place where we are finally accepted, finally healed and, and fully loved and valued as spiritual immigrants, you and I should understand then the tears John has and the nations have at the end of chapter 7. Look at verse 9 with me in chapter 5. Again, and they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open it sealed, for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people. For God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. It says that that these people, this world of people had to be ransomed. Which means they were enslaved. They were sold out in some way. And then if you look at chapter 7, think about these words in chapter, in verses 15 through 17, hunger and thirst and sun and heat and overworking. And it, and, it, and, it, and it describes unjust labor. And then the tears mean something inside of them is broken in large part for the pain they are feeling in this world that they have to work hard to escape, but they can't. In this place, on this earth, in this world, in this nation, in this United States of America, in North Carolina, in Charlotte, in this community, in our families, in our own hearts and minds, we can't be right where we should be and we can't get right because we do wrong and have been done wrong. So we understand the tears, but the tears point to something else too. Look at verse 1 in chapter 5. Then John says, I saw on the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one, no one in heaven, or on earth, or under the earth, was able to open the scroll and to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. Here's the hard thing about being a human, and even more so, a believer living here. 
Yeah, believers struggle more sometimes with tears. You know why? Because deep down, you know this world is not right. And you see it. That how you're living, it ain't right. That how others are being treated, it's not right. That how you think and feel about women or that ethnic group or yourself or food or money or how we make ourselves feel good at the expense of others, we know that is not right. We know and recognize a high degree of segregation around us is not right. We know that the way women are underpaid and over-sexualized is not right. We know that the amount of gun violence going on is not right. We know that this can't be, it just can't be the final state of our home deep down. We know that something has to come and make things right. We know that we are made for something and someone bigger and better and more glorious than the trash you sometimes experience and get treated like down here. We somehow see it like John sees it. We know it isn't right and it gives us tears. In my favorite Christmas time song, O Holy Night, it has this line in it. Long lay the world in sin and ever pining. Pining. It means without some divine relief, y'all, or help because of sin and unrighteousness, we pine. We long for, like John did when he saw that, 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 that scroll and the seals that nobody could open. We suffer depression deep down. We pine for something that we can't control or get for ourselves, but we know we need so badly. John has tears. The nations have tears with them because they can sense, right? They can see that things aren't right, but hear me. You can't do anything about it. John sees the scrolls, and those scrolls are God's plans to save us, but they are sealed shut. This is like having a password to the Wi-Fi connection or, not, or a folder file that you need to get rid of the virus, and you can't plug it in. You see little asterisks come up, right? Boop, 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 and the thing shakes, right? Get rid of the problem on your computer right now. Just enter in the code. No, that ain't it. Where good is right behind that lock, you know, you see the password box and you can't get open and, and, and you, for, to finally get the code for what will set you free and bring you on a journey to the other side. John's tears are tears of frustration, y'all. Of needing to be born again. Sometimes things get bad. I'm like, dog, if I could just... Start over. Well, I haven't been through so much sometimes. I don't know if I want to start over, right? But, you know, sometimes you're like, man, if I could just... And you know what's fun? Start over and know better. You'll still mess up. But anyway. <laughs> and then you'll need to be born again, again, right? But you kind of get this feeling, this frustration of, of needing a new life, of needing a new way to work uh, and, and be married and have relationship and experience your sexuality, but not able to get it, get there. And, and, of needing a new nation and community and leadership and needing a new mother and father and, and knowing somehow that redemption, that newness, please, it, it must exist. And some of us have had frustrating things going on in our bodies, in bodies of those we love, sickness and mental illness 
and all sorts of diseases and cancers and chronic this and chronic that. And all you can do like John when he sees a scroll is that there is no one, no theory, no special plan. I know they're making money off y'all, these books. I don't know how many diet plans. I've been looking too. Look at this. I killed my belt. My stomach killed my belt. And I don't feel like raising it all the way high up here. So my stomach leans on my belt and it's got a smiley face now. I'm trying to find, I'm frustrated, right? I buy a new shirt, I want to look like the mannequin or the model. I'm like, yep, slim fit, ain't too slim. That's just an illustration of what all the frustration we suffer, some more serious. But it means that, right, when you see the scroll, you know that there's no one, no theory, no special plan, no book, no diet formula, meditation, or secret, or right political party, or, or, or theory, or right moral behavior, or right uh, religious leader, or political leader. That can open those scrolls. So all we're left with is hope deferred or hope humiliated. I've been following a shooting with an unarmed black man. 20 years old, shot in Sacramento by police officers, shot eight times, six in the back. Tears. Watch documentary on Muslims, immigrants, and French nationalists clashing in Paris. It's a mess. Tears. I keep hearing about woman after woman coming forward discussing sexual violation. Tears. Saw another documentary on the water in poor parts of our country, how it's killing people, but because so many of them are undocumented, they're afraid to tell. And kids are dying and getting sick. And you know how complicated the whole issue is. And we all have political viewpoints. We got this and we got that. But all you're left with in the end after all the fighting and trying to fix it and all the complicated, well, you know, they should be this and they shouldn't have come over illegal and all the blah, 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 and, you know, whatever. And we're a city, of, we're a country of immigrants. And you go back and forth and back and forth in the end, just tears. Who's going to straighten it out? Maybe in the next election? <laughs> Don't count on it. He said he looked around heaven. There was no one on earth under the earth. And you know what that also means when you look at Revelation? No one is coming, y'all. The next Martin Luther King Jr. ain't coming to fix this problem. No one's in the, in the pipeline that can open the scrolls that can truly free us from the tears and struggles that we're experiencing. Sometimes those tears, trust me, can become anger. Right? And frustration and despair and depression. And we turn in on each other and in on ourselves. Some of us have become and resigned to become racist. Right? Against people. Because that's the, look how they're acting. Nothing's changed in all history. I can't stand them. I'm going to stay away. 
Some of us become politicists. You know, you got to stick with this party. We got to stay on the right or we got to stay on the left. Some of us have become moralists and some pleasure seekers and hedonists are getting all you can get for yourself or fascist control freaks. Some even violent wanting to blame this and that and, and others of us just go numb and despair and cut and purge or binge or do porn or smoke and sniff and pop pills and play all sorts of games with our sexualities and sexual desires and in attempt to ease that pain and frustration, you know what? We make others cry and separate ourselves into the haves and the have-nots and the ins and the outs and have become a world of warring and divisive factions all because, guess what? We are suffering from being separated from our God and his plan to redeem us from sin. So this mission of growing in diverse community that somehow we of different races and ethnic groups and classes and generation and political parties would come together and our tears of sin and suffering would not cause a river and monsoon of problems is crazy. It don't work. If we just come in together, you know, Pastor Ron will give a nice speech on diversity and we're going to leave. Yay. No, that ain't opening the scroll. Well, we're listening and we're trying really hard. No, nope, that ain't it either. You know, I, I couldn't trust y'all. I couldn't trust myself to be here. Sometimes people ask me, how you doing it, Pastor Brown? I don't get it. Me either. It would be crazy in the end of Christ Central seeking to be a nation of many nations and people if that was the end of the story. But the story does not end with tears, does it? There is more to that verse from Holy Night about us pining for sin and sin suffering, all separated from our divine home and place and nationhood. And it says this, long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Look again at verse 4, four with me in chapter 5. And it says here, and I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll, the scroll that's going to save us, right? To, or or to, to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can come and open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns, with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And he had taken the scroll and the four, and when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. We'll get into the prayers of the saints next week. And they sang a new song saying, worthy. We sang it a lot already, didn't we? Worthy, right? Are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for, for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom of priests, a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. 
Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels. That means he couldn't even number them, right? Numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And, and I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever and the four living creatures said amen amen do you see it i read that whole chapter didn't i couldn't stop did you see it for all the tears y'all the frustration and the separation, the plan of redemption, of fixing this, of making us into a diverse community of tribes and languages and nations into a new nation. It has come from and through the one who is both the Lamb of God and the conquering lion, the risen, suffering servant, Jesus Christ. Now, let's not play games here. This is a pretty freakish looking lamb. It ain't normal. It ain't regular, y'all. First of all, a lamb, I believe, is a baby sheep, right? And so lambs don't have horns. That's like a newborn baby having a beard, right? <laughs> and though some lambs do, I, I kind of do a little study. Some lambs, I, don't, I didn't grow up in a lamb farm. So, and though some lambs, I like lamb. Okay, let me stop. <laughs> I'm going to have some today, later, but tomorrow. And though some lambs, do grow up to have horns. They don't have seven horns. And the eyes, not seven eyes. You get rid of that lamb, right? <laughs> Must have been some kind of nuclear fallout or something. Let's, let me make it simple. This is a pimped out lamb. This is a super lamb. It is, as the number seven signifies, as perfect and super as you could get. You see, its horns signify and all-powerful, as the eyes signify and all-knowing and seeing, and then as the spirit signify, an all-seeing, all-knowing, present, God kind of lamb. The writer does not want us to confuse this lamb with any other. This lamb is the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who has come to take our sins and suffering on him. Now, back in the Old Testament times, they would do their confession, repentance of sins. Some of y'all already know this, but for those who don't, we can have a little lesson real quick. They would do their confession and repentance of their sins and sufferings before God by bringing a perfect, the best lamb they had right? Near to perfect lamb. And they would symbolically put their sins on the lamb and thus determine, oh, I'm mixing a little thing here in the Old Testament, just accept it. Thus you understand the term scapegoat, right? A scapegoat, there they take the sin, they go out. And if you go outside the community back then, you ain't coming back, right? It's not like it's a long way. It's, it's bad out there. It's the wilderness, right? Outside the gates. So the, that's the term scapegoat. And that lamb that they would be killed, it would be bled out. And then the fatty portions and entrails were taken, burned up on the altar. And then the family would take the butchered and holy lamb and go home and eat it in ceremony. Jesus came to be that Passover lamb. 
sacrificed not on an altar in the temple, but he bled out on the cross and then suffered the fires of hell for our sins. So hear this, for a nation of people living separated in sin and suffering, Jesus, when he died on the cross, was not just one lamb for one household but one lamb to take away the sin and save a whole world, a myriad of people, so that all tribes, all languages, and nations could finally come together with him and each other and be a new nation. And now we believe in the power of the cross, of the perfect lamb of God, of Jesus, perfect and taking away, get this, anything and everything in sin and suffering that could cause our tears and frustration and pain and violence and all of that, but perfect in being able to reach every single people group that has ever lived anywhere as anyone in the world. No one is excluded or left out because of who they are or when they lived or how they lived or what they lacked or any of that. A universal perfect lamb for a world of sin to those who receive him, every single kind of person. Now, we started Christ Central and continue to pursue this call to diverse and eclectic community based on what? That seal being opened to the scrolls to reveal God's declaration of independence and bill of rights for his people. That says all and everyone can be a people and should be a people or to being freed from the sins and sufferings that would make them hate God and hate each other and hate themselves. And with seven eyes, it means that there is no people group, no type of suffering, no person, no forgotten travesty. I know they try to take travesties and issues and injustices and they put them in the court system and they come out all soft on the end, right? And whole people groups get forgotten. People get overlooked because of who they are and what they have and what they don't have. If you can afford a good lawyer, you might get out good. If you can't, you ain't gonna get out too good, right? And no one sees it. There's no justice. But what this is saying is this. With the seven eyes, there is no forgotten travesty. I know some of y'all crying alone, right? You, you get, you get to, nobody knows. Nobody sees. No one is going to take my suffering up. No one's going to take up my cause. I don't have enough money. I don't have anybody who loves me that much. I don't have anybody who really hears me. No one's actually seen my life from beginning to end. They haven't seen my life from womb and then to the tomb. No one cares every issue, every tear. And this is saying the lamb with seven eyes, he sees and he remembers and he takes into account all of them. Black men profiled the Lamb of God sees and died for you to be in the nation, the nation of God's kingdom. White men who are supposed to have it all together. And sometimes you feel you get blamed with every, for everything in history, right? And are responsible for everything and making everything right. The Lamb of God sees and died for you. Immigrants to this country who feel completely overlooked and burdened or just trying to stay under the radar and find your place and get into the conversation justly. The Lamb of God with seven eyes sees and welcomes you to this table, to this diverse community. 
listen, there's no other way to make this thing work. There's no other way to get your sense of worth and place right in this world without the perfect lamb bringing you to him and then bringing us together. You can march all day. You can post stuff all day. You can like stuff all day. You can go to this and that conference and be mad and angry or learn all the historical truths from this or that documentary. I do it all the time, watching documentaries and getting mad. And still can't do nothing about it. Too scared, right? You can be informed about this and that and be super smart. But if you are not reborn into the nation of faith, it will all only end in tears and frustration once again. Not that believers don't feel disappointment and suffering, but we have a hope that there is a perfect solution and the perfect lamb that is and will perfect things over time and beyond and even through our suffering here. It is our mission and possibly Jesus calling you right now to join in singing a new soundtrack over your life and in a church like ours. That has a part for all people, all nations, all languages, for you, whoever you are. Look at verse 9 through 12 again. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne, I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads of thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is a lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. In other words, you, Jesus are the Lamb of God. And we are the people who are new, a new birthed nation. Not only because Jesus died and suffered, but lives and reigns. Look again at verse 1. We're going to kill this passage, y'all. We're going to kill this thing. In chapter 5, then, he says, then he, I saw, says this, then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on back, Sealed with seven seals, and I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly, because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns, with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Do you see it? The, the lamb that was slain, meaning that it had blood stains of being sacrificed. Some of you may have heard Jesus, heard this, this um, people say, Jesus will be the only one with a pierced body in heaven when we all get there. We'll have new bodies. Jesus can show us his nail scars, right? But, but that is secondary to the, this point about the slain lamb. The lamb has fatal wounds. That means like the sacrifice, right? The entrails have been removed. 
this is kind of gory as I think about, there's a lamb that is slain there. How do you know it was slain? Well, if it went through the temple process, it means that the entrails have been removed, the fatty parts are gone, and the throat slit kind of fatal wounds. There is no doubt that lamb shouldn't be living. But it says there was a lamb that was obviously slain and is doing what? Standing. Standing. Wait a minute, y'all. This is kind of crazy. There's a lamb that has been gutted and butchered standing. That means ready. That means acting. That means moving. That means doing things. I don't know if you know what Easter is about, but it's not just Easter bunnies and chocolates and baskets and, and Easter egg hunts, even though we thank God for such fun and delicious stuff. But it was about, it's about Jesus being born and living and dying 2,000 years ago like a sacrificial lamb and buried for three days. But then the Bible says that he got up, that he rose, that his body got life back in it, that he resurrected, that he stood up and stands like this lamb in the vision, but not standing like a weak, little, perfect lamb. Jesus, the lamb, I am going to give you the cleaned up version. Use your own broad vocab to restate it to yourself. But Jesus, the lamb, he came, he lived, he died, he went to hell. He kicked sin, suffering, and Satan's behind and took names. But not just any name and not just any place. He took the name above every name. Jesus and took his place as king and conqueror and the Bible says as the lion of the tribe of Judah which means he conquers all that would bring division and war between people groups. If the world is a jungle of unrest and social injustice and racism and sexism, Jesus, the Bible is teaching, is the king of the world's jungle, and he rules in a way that brings peace. Because no sin, no evil force, no power in heaven or hell is going to rule and run his people into the ground. And that kind of secure peace comes because Jesus defeats and destroys and breaks all the chains of injustice and bad history and sin bondage and debilitating suffering and things that make us insecure and uncomfortable about each other and make us hate each other and ourselves. As the lamb and the lion, Jesus has put up with all he could and at the same time finished with hate, Finish with any short, anything short of agape and divine love between us. The lamb withstood all that hate stuff and the conquering lion Jesus devours all that stuff. He crushes hate. He is ending the violence between us and in us. When he stood up on Easter morning, rising from the grave as the lamb that withstood our sins, he also stood as a lion of the tribe of Judah who stands and rules as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. It meant that, guess what? Now we can withstand this world together. All of the news feeds and all of the issues and just stand, to, to just be able to stand to live with each other. 
as a community to finally stand and live each other as, as family and friends, as husband and wife and parents and children. Now, because of what Jesus did and who he is, we can stand together against all that would come between us, different genders and people groups and economic brackets and political differences and ethnic barriers to be born into a nation that is constantly changing and growing and being redeemed and challenged by the power of the resurrected lamb and lion, Jesus, who is alive and active as ever in this place and in the hearts of people in this place. But that is only, can y'all say only? Only if Jesus is the lamb and the lion. Because no one else, as Revelation tells us, is worthy and powerful and perfect enough to open up that kind of love, loose that kind of power, and that kind of redemption on us in our community, in our lives by Jesus. No human power, no political theory, no neighborhood housing plan, no racial reconciliation conference, no kumbaya moral attempts, no amount of talking and marching and breaking down movies, None of these things done outside of the authority of the resurrected lamb and king has the power to give us spiritual immigrants a home and a community. When Jesus rose from the grave as the lamb and the lion, a promise of a new nation was born. A new nation began. And at Christ Central, a new nation is born. Right here. Born out of your lives. Next time we'll talk about how this new nation has the power and call of the gospel to not only live changed lives, because churches like to, oh, we change, we love Jesus, and be all up on each other. But those who are used to love and live for the world, for the world. Jesus gave birth when he rose from the grave to a nation. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We need you to conquer. We need you to suffer for us to have peace, for us to be a community, for us just to survive the depression in this world. Be with us. Lion of the tribe of Judah. Be with us. Lamb of God that now stands with all authority and withstood all of our sins. Help us to believe that and live that and know that. In Jesus' name, amen.